we've got manufacturers in the UK who can supply the vast majority of the PPE that our NHS needs, not just right now, but also on an ongoing basis. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips for making in the UK. So let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 121 of the Make It British podcast. Today's show is probably going to be quite a short one because it's just me on the show today, but it is going to be an important one because I've had a couple of things that I want to update you on, both of which point towards a really positive outlook for UK textile manufacturing. And let's face it, in a time when a lot of the news seems like nothing but doom and gloom at the moment isn't it great to actually receive some good news for once? So if you're a regular listener of this podcast, then over the last few weeks, you'll have heard me talking quite a bit about PPE, personal protective equipment, and how I strongly believe that we've got manufacturers in the UK who can supply the vast majority of the PPE that our NHS needs, not just right now, but also on an ongoing basis. And in case you missed any of those episodes as to why you think it's important that we manufacture the PPE in the UK and whether we can do it, have a listen to episode number 144, PPE. Have a listen to episode 114, PPE, Can We Make It in the UK? So at the end of March, not long after we went into lockdown, that's March 2020, if you're listening to this in the future, and when the coronavirus started to reach its peak here in the UK, I fired off an email to our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, and Matt Hancock, Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, which was entitled A Local Manufacturing Solution to the PPE Shortage. Now, I never got a reply but I felt it was something that I needed to say. It was a three-page document that I wrote. Um, And what did happen is that document, I think, did start putting the wheels in motion because I became that annoying woman who, like a mosquito buzzing around and buzzing around Boris and his team, they probably wanted to swap me because they were fed up with me going on about how they could make PPE here in the UK. But I wasn't going to let up because I know we have the skills here to make the stuff that they need. And as an aside, if you want to read that letter, I'm going to put a link to that document that I sent Boris and Matt um, as a link in the show notes for this podcast. Anyway, so a month later, so I sent that that letter at the end of end of March, and by the end of April. Still not much had happened and I recorded another podcast, episode 116, entitled Where Are We on PPE? Now, at that point, I have to admit, I was felt pretty defeated. There was a team of management consultants working on the job of procuring the PPE. 
for the government and they had they knew absolutely bugger all about textiles. Um, and then Matt Hancock appeared on the telly box telling everyone, don't worry, Burberry have come to the rescue and they're all going to make gowns for us. Brilliant. Burberry. Fantastic. Now, no disrespect to Burberry because I there are some amazing people and very talented people working at their factory in Castleford in Yorkshire. I think it was pretty clear to most people in the industry at that point that Burberry had scored a massive PR coup with Matt Hancock's primetime TV announcement. And let's not forget that they were also in the public a year ago for sending a whole load of stock up in flames. So it did very well for them for their PR. However, did it really, I mean, it upset a lot of manufacturers that I know in the UK because they were like, why pick Burberry? We can make them too. And Burberry are just going to go back to making raincoats in a few weeks time, whereas we really need the business. Anyway, since the Burberry distraction has subsided and the management consultancy team are now out of the way by the looks of things, we finally seem to be getting somewhere. Lord Dayton, who was responsible for putting the Olympics together in the UK back in 2012, he was drafted in and assigned the role of PR PPE czar. So he's heading up a team who are in charge of procuring the PPE. And a part of that, they've got something called the Make Cell, which is looking at a UK supply of PPE. Finally! Hallelujah! So, this week, the government put out a press release to announce that they have signed contracts to manufacture over 2 billion pieces of PPE from UK manufacturers and that they're in discussions with many more about future production. Now, what those 2 billion pieces are, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, as a reminder, PPE products are things such as sterile surgical and isolation gowns, respirator and surgical masks, and disposable gloves and face shields. So it doesn't include scrubs. So I don't know what the two billion are. Um, What I do know, and what I'm allowed to say as it's in the press release, is that um, Scottish textile firm Don and Lowe have provided 12 million square metres of non-woven fabric to make the disposable gowns. So that makes approximately 6 million disposable gowns over the next six months. One of those manufacturers that's now making the gowns is a company called Private White VC, which is a factory in Manchester headed up by James Eden and Mike Stoll. And James was on this podcast right back in episode two. And he is one of those industry folk who is truly dedicated to manufacturing in England. So that is just brilliant that they are one of the factories that have got that order. And I also know that several other factories and suppliers that exhibit our Make It British live trade show have also been involved in some way. And I promise that as soon as I'm able to share more of this story, I will get some of them on here on the podcast to talk about it. So, That's the plan for the next six months. But what about looking beyond that and into 2020? Now, let's not forget that Brexit is supposed to be happening at the end of this year. And with trade deals yet to be finalised, 
the chances of the UK being able to secure all of the PPE that we need from overseas suppliers if a second wave of the coronavirus hits is looking, you know, a little bit precarious. So we do need a homegrown solution. And it makes sense to have a plan in place to be able to secure PPE from local manufacturers well into 2021 and beyond. And that's certainly something that I've been pushing for over the last 12 weeks. Now, Lord Dayton alluded to this fact in their press release. Um, He was quoted as saying, and I will read this out, we have already secured millions, he says millions, not billions there, interesting. We have secured millions of PPE items through deals with British industry and continue to work with hundreds of potential manufacturers to further bolster our domestic supply chain now and in the future. Brilliant. Now I am helping them, and I'm not allowed to say too much at the moment, but I'm helping them with who those hundreds of potential manufacturers are. So these these gowns will be made in the UK, and he's very much given the impression that they will be made in the future, which is brilliant. Now, what this whole incident with PPE has highlighted is two things. Firstly, how little is actually known about the UK textile industry that by those that run our country, this country. Now, I'm sure that they all thought before this that textiles were some fluffy fashion thing that you see on the catwalk. They didn't really understand that textiles also encompasses technical textiles and life-saving equipment such as PPE. Now this has all happened, hopefully they'll start looking at our industry and taking it a lot more seriously, realising all the different things that happen within fashion and textiles. And secondly, hopefully they will also understand that it's really important to have a local manufacturing base, one that can be ramped up quickly when a global crisis such as this happens again. So so some sort of long-term plan to procure most, if not all, of the PPE from the UK would totally make sense. Now, as well as the PPE at the BAS podcast, I said I wanted to update you on a couple of things. And the second thing that I'm about to tell you, the second update kind of ties in with the first. Back on episode 104 of this podcast, I interviewed Tamara Zinjic from the Fashion Roundtable. She's also the Secretariat for the All-Party Parliamentary Group for Textiles and Fashion. Now, in that interview, she highlighted how post-Brexit there will be potentially a shortfall in skilled garment and textile workers. Because at the moment, many of them come from to the UK from the EU because in the EU, they still learn sewing to a very high level. Whereas in the UK, it's not so widely taught in schools. So Tamara has been campaigning for garment and textile worker roles to be changed and to be added to the shortage occupation list, the SOL, the shortage occupation list, which means that these workers from the EU would be able to apply for a visa to come to the UK post-Brexit because we need their skills. Now, this is really important for the industry because while our industry is expanding, and I'm sure it's going to continue to do so post-Brexit, we do not have enough domestic workers to keep up with the rate at which we need them to sow 
to, to do the important sewing jobs. And currently, Tamara's um, data that she has says that more than half of those working in the UK textile industry come from outside of the UK. And that's even higher when it comes to places like London, where they make high-end fashion products. Now, of course, it would be amazing if more local people took these jobs. But when you consider that it takes a skilled garment machinist something in the region of five years to train to the level that's needed to make particularly high-end fashion items, we've got so much catching up to do in the UK. And we need skilled people coming to the UK to start training up the people, our local people, for a start, because we just don't have the proper training here to the level and in the volume that we're going to need over the next few years. So the good news is that we have just heard that the, the many of the textile worker roles are now have been reclassified and they're now in the required skills level bracket to be considered for the shortage occupation list, which is amazing. It's fantastic news. And it's the first step in getting these roles added to that list. But it's not quite over yet. The next stage is for Tamara and her team to gather evidence from the industry to demonstrate just how important these roles are. And then that information is going to go to something called the Migration Advisory Committee. And that's in September 2020 when they will they will do, make a final consideration about adding those roles to the list. So it's a great step forward, but we are only halfway there. And Fashion Roundtable are going to need your help and the help of people from the industry to provide a compelling enough case to put forward to that committee. So if you're listening to this and you're either a manufacturer or someone that works closely with them, please, we need your help. I'm going to pop a link to a form in the show notes for this podcast, which is a form to submit evidence um, to the committee. And the sort of information that they're looking for from you is stuff like salary information about garment and textile workers, and in particular, evidence of how long the training takes. So they've got a valid case about why we need these workers here now. And you know, as more and more companies look to restore production now, firstly because of Brexit and because of the supply chain disruption we've seen because of COVID-19, we're going to need a lot more people to come and work in our factories. One figure that was mentioned a couple of years ago was that we're going to need 20,000 more workers in the in the in the future. But I think now that figure, if you did the same research again, would be a lot higher because of the increased need for people to want to manufacture in the UK. At the moment, many of the factories that I know have started bringing their workers back. A lot of them never even closed. They were kept busy making PPE and other products for the healthcare sector. And now that shops are starting to reopen again, these factories are seeing orders come back in. And one manufacturer this week that I was speaking to told me that buyers at a chain of retail stores that he works with have now been tasked by their boss to source 50% of their products locally going forward. And that is just one store. If more stores start saying that and that they need to manufacture more locally, we are so going to need these new workers in the UK to help manage these product run these production lines so despite the current circumstances and the weird last three months we had we've had i think the future 
is looking really quite rosy for UK textile manufacturing and for those UK textile manufacturers. And I hope that it continues to do so. So it's great to just have some positive news to bring you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I'd love it if you wrote me a review on iTunes. Some of you have been writing wonderful reviews and comments on the podcast, on the Make It British blog. If you would put those on iTunes, it would be brilliant because it means that more people end up finding this podcast and hearing all about the wonderful UK manufacturers and brands that we have in this country. Right. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you again next week or you'll hear from me next week. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. So make sure you subscribe in your favourite podcast app. And if you're looking to find British-made brands or UK manufacturers, check out the directory on the Make It British website at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash directory. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.